Well, speaking of God's blessing and, and, uh, ho- and Home Depot, <laughs> the sermon today is a Home Depot sermon. <laughs> the title of it is In Focus. To start working at Home Depot, like any of the places, like my wife uh, who was at uh, Walmart down in, uh, right there in Simpsonville as well, um, tons of video. How many of you have worked for Everybody in here has, right? Walmart or Home Depot? You haven't? How many of you want to? One. <laughs> I see that hand. Um, but part of it, the training is video training, a lot of it, on everything. Socially, safety, safety, how to clean up a spill, chemicals. Some of it is just torturous to get through. But you've got to go through all that video training. And then... After that, after you finally get in and are able to spill your first gallon of paint on the floor, you are, you are then welcome to the monthly in-focus video training. So once a month, mandatory. You have to open up the video, down the video room, and watch about a 15-minute video, usually surrounded around safety, safety features. And it's called In Focus. It's to keep you every month in focus and on target on what Home Depot is all about and, and how to be careful and safe. And after a while, you're sitting there saying, I've heard this, well, 22 months, I've heard this for 20 months. But you know what? When something happens, I've noticed, I remember it. Oh, you don't have to ask twice about, oh my goodness, that did happen. What do I do now? Run for your life! No, you stay and take care of it. Why? Because of in focus. Just drilling that over and over and over. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in the text that has been read, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I'd encourage you to take the Bible so that you can entertain me by maybe repeating back if I ask you a question or to repeat a word or a phrase with me. Uh, if you take one of those Bibles, the English Standard Version, of course, that is the English version that uh, Noah carried himself. And so uh, 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 21 is our text, the title, In Focus. What are some things we as believers should keep in focus? As we go through life and the many challenges of life, and there's a lot of them, amen? There's a lot of them. Some of you have been serving the Lord for a lot of decades. And my wife and I started in 1973 when we made, in March of 73, made a commitment to Christ right up here in Bangor, Maine. And still going, life is different for us now, in a good way, it's all good. But I wondered when, uh, when we left here 22 months ago, I, I did have those moments of wondering, now that I'm officially, officially, officially not a full-time pastoral minister, what will it be like? What is it going to be like to sit and listen, besides, of course, critiquing the minister that's preaching? <laughs> Other than that, uh, why did you say that? Why? Um, but other than that, I wondered, what will my daily walk be with the Lord? It's one thing to be in the, in the spotlight, if you please, or the bubble of a pastoral ministry where the expectations are there and you're even getting paid for it. So that's one thing. It's another thing when the demand is not there and you're in a new land where nobody knows you other than your daughter and husband and grandson. Boy, I can really misbehave now. But honestly, I began to wonder. And then when the challenges came, we moved down there in November two years ago, and then by January started hearing those rumors that you did 
about some things that are beginning to happen out there in the culture and about this virus that's possibly going to enter our culture. It was coming from other countries and it hit by February and March. And Home Depot and all the others went into lockdown, if you please. Stayed open, but masks have to wear it. And now we still are wearing masks every day when we go in. And going through all of those procedures that they have for safety's sake. And I'm not going to get in the middle of COVID and all the stuff connected to that. Um, but I think of all the challenges that are there and can't help but, couldn't help but wonder, how will I respond to all this when I heard all the, the Christians, which everybody in South Carolina is a Christian, by the way, because you're wondering. <laughs> there are 8 million churches in Greenville County, and everybody goes to church, or doesn't. Um, and, uh, but I wonder, what, what am I going to be like? And I'm, personally, I'm thrilled that I can't wait. Oh, well, I can wait and get my rest, but when you get up in the morning, relaxed, get the hazelnut coffee brewing, settle in, open the word, drink it in. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I appreciate the Lord's work, even those times when you couldn't go to church. But you know what? I can go to church every day. And I wondered about my concern I would have for the lost. And, but there's, a, there's that concern, especially in the culture today. Oh, my word. Not looking down at anyone, not being trying to be arrogant or holier than thou. But it's a rough culture out there today, if you haven't noticed. Politically, medically with COVID, and down the list. Man, it seems like now it's Christian against Christian, and it's race against race, and it's on and on it goes. It's tough. Well, what does Paul remind us of in this text, though? What do we need to remind ourselves on a regular basis to keep life in focus as a follower of Christ? Here's a few things I want to share with you regarding that. First of all, keep in focus, and if you want to jot a few words down, I have six of them for you. First of all, keep your identity in focus. Your identity. Notice the text of Scripture, the first part of verse 11 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, but as for you, O man of God, as for you, O man of God, Timothy, you're a man of God. I would say to myself, I'd say to you, we are considered to be children of God. We are children of God. How do we respond in this culture in which we live to the people around us, to the circumstances that lie before us, that we find ourselves caught up in? Respond in a way that a child of God would. If you've received Christ into your heart, into your life, you are a man of God or a woman of God or a child of God. Very, very important. Oh, man of God. What is a man of God here or a person of God here? It is a person who speaks for God. And I'm just not going to go into all the the Greek uh, uh, background of this other than to say by way of presenting it. That a man of God, no matter how you study it, whether it's text in context or comparing scriptures or, or looking at the Greek words behind it, it simply means a person who speaks on behalf of God. In this culture, do you speak for God? Does your life speak for God? And many times, God is up there saying, please stop speaking for me. I don't like the way you're doing it. And boy, when I hear some Christians spout off in the culture today... Or at work, where there's, as I said, everybody's a Christian. 
<laughs> in the Bible Belt. But it's an eye-opener. Um, but I'm, oftentimes I'm thinking, whoa, you're speaking for God? Please. And I think of that for myself. Lord, help me today. Because it's easy to get caught up in the rumors and the gossip and the, and, the, and, the, and the feelings and the conversations. And you have to pull back and say, wait a minute. I'm a man of God. I'm a child of God. I speak for God. Do you speak for God? Uh, compare that to the man of sin that, that is soon to come uh, according to the word of God. Paul, um, the Apostle Paul told the Thessalonian church, I'm reading from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, out of the New King James. Listen carefully. You're familiar with it, I'm sure. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, well, if you break down the two books, 1 Thessalonians primarily concentrates on the, the coming of Christ for the church. If you look at, at it very carefully, Paul encourages the church with that. Remember how he told them in 1 in, uh, Thessalonians about... Uh, uh, not to be wearying about the return of Christ, but we are to be encouraged as Christ followers at the return of Christ. Second Thessalonians de deals with primarily the day of the Lord, which is that coming day when Christ will set his feet here on this earth. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. But he says this, let no one deceive you, those that are living in that day. And also, as you look around at what is happening in the world today at every level, I think it speaks to us. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits uh, as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So we've got the man of God and the man of sin. Now the man of sin is very deceptive, very clever. And boy, is he doing quite a job today in, which, in the day and age in which we live. Now more than ever, we need people of God, children of God, men of God, women of God to speak for God in the culture. Number two, as we're watching the, the Home Depot video or uh, our in-focus spiritual video, keep in focus your instructions, your instructions. Notice the second part of verse 11 and verse 12. Second part of verse 11 says, flee these things. What things? Well, if you were to read the previous chapters and verses, it's talking about false prophets and several other things. But Paul says, uh, Timothy, I want you to flee those bad things. But here's what you're to pursue. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, what are we to remember in these instructions, these guidelines? Now, we've been given, and this is a test, so prepare yourself. Uh, this is your COVID test today. Uh, by the way, so you'll be more comfortable, I've had my two Pfizer shots, so I'm, I'm all set. Uh, not really, but I did have the shots. I guess it doesn't matter now, right? I don't know. Um, but I'm going to ask you, what are the guidelines as you go out into the, out into the culture? What are some guidelines for uh, uh, dealing with, with COVID? One is to the shot in the arm. What else? Got to wear a mask. Social distancing. See how good that is? Do you know why we're remembering that? 
Because we're hearing it over and over and over. As a matter of fact, we're so in focus that we're becoming zombies out here in the culture. Uh, we joke. But uh, yeah, that's effective though, isn't it? Because you hear it over and over and over. You see it on the signs. You know, on TV, everywhere you go. Well, there are some things we're to keep in focus instructions-wise. And uh, I like how the King James says it out of 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. 1 Timothy 6, 11, 12, and the King James says, But thou, O man of God, um, flee these things. As you compare that to the text we're reading from in the ESV today, but the KJV says, Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. In verse 12, fight. So the reason I draw you to that in the King James, which is the one that, that uh, Abraham carried. Noah carried the ESV. Abraham had the King James. So we can go back a little further there and see these three words. Remember these, now flee, follow, and fight. You like that? I've always liked that. Flee. You're out in the culture. Watch out. Flee, follow, follow the good stuff that we're going to talk about just for a minute, and then fight the good fight of faith. Too many Christians are fighting, but not the good fight of faith. Um, as I look at this passage of scripture where he says to pursue, what are we to pursue or follow after? In verse 11, he said, pursue righteousness. What is that? Simply, it's justice with integrity. Pursue right things. Pursue justice with integrity. Be a person of integrity. I've learned also, as I'm just now slipped into one of the fellow associates, which I have picked up without advertising it, people would ask at work, uh, uh, eventually, uh, well, what do you, what'd you, oh man, what'd you do for work? And I'd joke with them at first and would say, well, I was in social work. <laughs> or I've dealt with the public. Uh, they can, you know, given advice and guidance and all that stuff. And then I'd say, well, I was in full-time ministry. There you were. And then you kind of have that drifting away where you're all by yourself mixing paint for a while. And then they kind of start warming up again when I, they find out that I don't have horns under my hat or anything. And, and I start building, but I built relationships. And then the word spreads. You don't have to tell anybody. You know what? If you live for God, you really don't have to tell folk. You don't have to go out there and beller it out. Oh, Christian. Let the public know. Let people around you know because they notice there's something in a good way different about you. In a good way that attracts you to them. And so he said, pursue righteousness, right living. Right living. As I look around, some of the folks I work with are like, man, you shouldn't be doing that. I've got other ones, some young, young people, which I'm thrilled about. Just, I've been there for, uh, oh my goodness, year and a half working, and just in the last month or two, as I try to be gracious to people, I want those connections, I want to build trust, I want to build friendships. Why? Might have the opportunity for the Lord to open up a conversation where they're asking, what are you all about? I already have had one. One of the individuals that came to me several months ago and said, I got a question for you, Rev. That's what he said. And what's that? And he said, what's life all about? Well, that's a small question. <laughs> I think, what's life? 
boy, it takes you back for a minute. Well, that, that's a lot of preaching. <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. But he opened it up. That person, I came to find out as we began to talk, and he warmed up. And now we're having conversations, and I'm giving him some material to start down that road of hopefully seeing him come to Christ. He used to live in Kenduskeg, Maine, up here just outside of Bangor. There, while I was pastoring nine years at Bangor and would drive back the very church I was pastoring in for many years, just ironic, the connections. And we've made a good connection because of where I pastored and where he, we both have lived here in Maine. And, and that's a good one to pray about. And many others. Some very young people, 19, 20 years old, that started calling me. One of them calls me pastor. I swear, just out of the blue, hey, pastor. And I'm like, I, I honestly, I'm not, I don't bloviate about it. Where would this kid has nothing to do with church? Why would he call me pastor? I had another one, a young lady with a very rich vocabulary. <laughs> but when I could hear her down in the evening, hear her down one of the aisles, and I know it's her, and along with the conversation, but yet come up to me, and the, all the conversation, I mean, her, her speech is no cussing, swearing, and, and, and whew, but she's warmed up, friendly, beginning to ask questions. Yeah. Pursue righteousness with integrity. God help me where I work. Not to be holier than thou, not to be arrogant, not to look down, just one of your children, a man of God who lives a life of integrity before those folk that need Christ. Pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, it says. That's God-likeness. Good luck with that one, right? That takes some work. Faith, that means dependability. We're dependent upon God. What are we going to do? COVID is hit. Where are we going to go? Oh, we're lost. We're going to die. And you might. <laughs> Who knows? Some have, and I don't mean to make light of it, but I'm just saying you, you go through life. Same with me. My wife and I say that often. So I look around and say, uh, and, and some person will say, so-and-so died. Can you believe they died? Oh, oh they was old. I said, how old were they? Oh, they're 64 years old. I'm like, I'm just going on 72. So, uh, but uh, anyway, dependability. Where's our dependability? In our true faith. Love. That's affection for God and people. Love. That's affection. Love your... Love, your, love the Lord. Love your enemies. Love your family. Love people can be tough to do in this culture, isn't it? And some of the people that show the worst character of integrity in the culture are those that call themselves Christian. That's what's said. Steadfastness, that means endurance under trial. And gentleness, kind, have a kind disposition. My dad's uh, favorite verse, as much as within you is, live peaceably with all men or all people. As much as within you is, learn to live with people in peace and love and Christ-likeness. Tough challenge, no? A uh, couple things to keep in focus there. Third thing, keep in focus your supervisors. My what? My your supervisors. Who do we answer to? Look at verse 13. I charge you in the presence of who? God. 
I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made a good confession. We answer to God. We are, we are living our lives as Christ followers here in this life, and the one that we should be concerned about is Almighty God, who sees all, knows all. You can't hide from him, as many times as we as human beings try to. I hope nobody saw that. Well, God did. God saw that. Keep that in focus. My wife and I have got into, or my wife has gotten me into um, CCTV. How many of you are into British television? We've got none. Oh, you got, there you go. There's a couple. Listen, British television, CCTV, closed circuit television with, with the British, they got cameras everywhere. Everywhere. And you can't get away from them. Get away from them. Big Brother here is watching. You feel like that in our own country. Well, for you and I, Christian, it is, it is uh, Big Brother is the government watching and getting into all of our, our goods. Uh, just before we, we were leaving to head to the airplane uh, a couple of days ago, and my, uh, my daughter last Christmas, my daughter bought this little round box, and it's... Uh, Gerald, which one is it? Is it the one from Amazon, the Alexa? Gerald, Alexa? So she bought this. So what's that for? You plug that in. You can talk to it and ask it anything. Uh, and we did. And I was cute for a little bit. Uh, Alexa, play a song. You know, play, uh, I don't know, Johnny Cash or something. Whatever they was doing. So, and that was good. And Alexa would answer back. And then you'd say, good morning. Oh, good morning, Richard. How are you? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's getting a little too personal. Hello, Richard. How are you? Good morning. And it, honestly, the more I went, the more they learned about us. And before long, here you are having a conversation with Alexa, and I don't think I like you. As we're leaving to head to the airplane, right, Joe? As we're leaving to head to the airplane, when we took out of there, I said something. I can't remember what I said. And Alexa answered it. And I'm saying it to my wife because I had unplugged that thing months ago. I said, I don't want that anymore. But it reminded me that's hooked up to Netherland, and that's just too, much, too, much, too many supervisors in my life. Uh, Alexa, okay, Alexa, you're now dead. All right. Remember your supervisors. Number four, keep in focus your payday. Keep in focus your payday. Notice verses 14 through 16. To keep the... Commandment, unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, it says here. Verse 15, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in the unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. So remember your payday. Our payday is that day when we stand before Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, listen to this, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There's a payday coming someday. All these things I've talked about, your identity, your instructions, remember our supervisors, remember how we live, why? There's a payday coming. I love payday. Every two weeks electronically drop those millions of dollars every two weeks from paint department drops into my account already spent 
got automatic payments set up. So it's just like blink and gone. Number five, keep in focus your investment. Keep in focus your investment. Boy, the stock market the last two or three years, Woo-hoo-hoo, four or five years. And no, I didn't take advantage of it. Now, my age, keep it safe. So we kept that mayonnaise jar about two feet deep out in the backyard. Not we're going to get that money. And others would invest and made $8 million. So, uh, but the stock market taking off and, boy, all the chatter all the time, my investments, my investments, my investments, and, and that's all good. But, you know, you wonder, oh, wait a minute, our country, how, how would it, $30 trillion in debt, whatever we're heading toward? You, you, I, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box, in the, in the little pencil box. But I have enough Aroostook County farm roots to understand if you keep going in debt, deeper and deeper in debt to keep your lifestyle afloat, man, payday's going to come someday on that one. Just, isn't that common sense? Huh? I hope I encouraged you with that. But um, <laughs> the payday is this for you and me. Though the payday for living a godly life and making sure as we get caught up in all the worries and cares and finances and all the rest, that there's a payday coming, our investment should be in the Lord and in the Lord's work. That's the payday. Keep that in focus. Number five, keep this in focus, your investment, your investment. Verses 17 through 19, as for the rich in this present age, does that, that keeps us out, right? <laughs> for the rich, wherever they are. There's a lot of rich folk. But for all of us, because being an American, for you and me, to be honest with you, having been to a few third world countries, we're filthy rich comparatively. He's talking about Haiti earlier. We're rich. We're blessed. For the rich in this present age charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything we enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to give, thus storing up treasure for good to, the, to be rich in good works, uh, for storing up for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Our investment, our investment should be in the Lord and the Lord's work. Hopefully a minute or two story, again, from my beloved Home Depot. Uh, Being a very righteous man that I am, I'm never critical of someone else. But there was this one weak moment when a gentleman uh, about six years younger than me, and I happened to notice they just hired him. He was working part-time, and uh, he was a smoker, so you know what they say about them. Uh, but I could see his health was bothering him. Uh, honestly, I'd go outside. He's puffing on a cigarette. He smoked all his life. He didn't, didn't look healthy. I want you to get the picture. Didn't look healthy. Thin, frail. I come to find out he was 65 years old. Working part-time. And so as, the, as I kind of got he's grumpy. Act, I get around him, try to get to know him a little bit. He was a little grumpy. And I said, okay, buddy. <laughs> uh, I didn't, had not prepared the sermon fully at that time uh, to remind myself, be kind. But, man, the guy bugged me. And always moping around, ask something. He couldn't say, hey, Rocky, could you help me out? Where's such and such? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. 
<laughs> no, of course I told him sometimes. But uh, uh, seriously, months have gone by, and I kept watching. And then finally, uh, he warmed up, got to know him a little bit, down in the break room, started asking questions. As he opened up, I asked more questions. And come to find out uh, that approximately 27, eight years ago, he had, uh, um, he had started out as a general manager in Florida, him, his wife, and his two children. He started as general manager of a leading uh, grocery chain down in Florida. And years ago, he had moved to Simpsonville, South Carolina. As a matter of fact, the store he managed was just down the street, down the strip mall from where I now work, and he works at Home Depot. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, after 25 years of investing in a 401k as a general manager, so he was fairly well off at that point, his wife, two kids, all that, and his daughter, his teenage daughter, was taking his wife. They were traveling somewhere. His wife was taking the daughter to school somewhere, locally to an event. And she just felt something was not right with her left arm. And it scared her. And so they got a hold of him. Long story short, for time's sake, um, they um, took her to a doctor. Pulled over, got home. He came home, took her to a doctor. They checked her all out. Tests came back that she had a brain tumor cancerous brain tumor. And it was a slow cancerous brain tumor, very debilitating, non-operable. So he uh, hung on as long as he could with his job, and the next five years, at the beginning of which, he said he had to get done work, started living off his savings, off his 401k, and eventually selling his house and getting through all of that to care for his wife for five years. They did experimental stuff through one of the uh, big medical um, uh, hospitals in the country. Cancer specialists wanted to do experimental stuff, and he poured money into that. They went through all that. At the end of five years, she died. He's broke. And he's a wreck. And boy, did I have a different perspective on life right then. Um, his investment was all gone. My prayer is, and pray with me with that, that I have opportunity as I keep building a friendship with him to share Christ with him. Broken. Oh, just heart-wrenching. And now he's trying to work his way back. He said, I'm just trying to do enough to get through life. Uh, watch out for your investments. Lastly, uh, keep in focus your commitment. Verses 20 and 21. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved or made shipwreck of their faith. Keep in focus our commitment. Let's, let's don't, as Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 6, some have departed from the faith. They've gone astray. They've left. They made shipwreck of their faith. I don't want that to be you. Uh, there's coming a time of our departure. Paul said, my departure's at hand. Beautiful pictures there of a seaman pulling anchor, going home. We're all going to. I joked a little bit, as much as you can joke about dying, all of us are going to die. Matter of fact, uh, this next Saturday we'll be attending up in Aroostook County. We're going up to see uh, my wife's family and be attending her mother's memorial. 
be a part of that. Her mom passed away at 80. How old, Gerald? 80? 88 years old. And a wonderful Christian woman and gone home to be with the Lord through all this. But we're all going to have that departure. Uh, but remember your commitment. So there's a few things to uh, keep in focus. There's your video for working at Home Depot. <laughs> Drink it in and uh, learn from it well. And let's continue to keep Christ in focus. I end with this phrase right here. Look at the last phrase in our passage. Grace be with you. That's what I leave with you today. Grace be with you. God's grace. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, thank you for these moments we've had to spend together in your word, reminding ourselves of things to keep in focus, our commitment to you. In the Lord's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, folks.